0: chapter seventeen of haste and waste the young pilot of lake champlain by oliver optic this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seventeen burlington to isle la motte on his way home mr sherwood went to the ferry house and satisfied himself that the mortgage on the place had been cancelled Mrs. Wilford was profuse in the expression of her gratitude to him for his kindness to the family, and hoped that Lawry and his father would be able to pay him back the whole sum. Mrs. Wilford, so far as gratitude and obligation are concerned, the balance is still largely against me. Millions of dollars would not pay the debt I owe to your son. Oh, Lawry, don't think anything of that, sir but i do madam if your son had been five minutes later than he was when the little steamer went down miss fanny grant would certainly have been drowned and my wife would doubtless have shared her fate and when i think that this exposure of their precious lives was my own fault that my wife and her sister had nearly perished by my foolish haste and recklessness i feel like giving every dollar i have in the world to lawry you don't understand this matter as i do mrs wilford i didn't think you were in any great danger miss fanny would certainly have been drowned and i don't think it would have been possible for me to save my wife for i was nearly exhausted when lawry came now mrs wilford do you suppose i shall mind one two or ten thousand dollars where my brave deliverer is concerned, in one word, I would never take a dollar which I have expended for Lawry or the family. Your son is a manly and independent boy, and I don't like to hurt his feelings, so I shall not say anything about this money at present. Lawry is a good boy, said Mrs. Wilford proudly. He is worth his weight in gold. I am sorry your oldest son is not more like him. I don't know what to think of Benjamin. Where is he now? I don't know. I haven't seen him since the steamer left this morning. Lawry is a good deal troubled about the ferry boat. He needed to be. Can you hire a man to run the boat? Yes, I can get a boy who will do it for half a dollar a day and be glad of the chance. I will engage one. Lawry goes to Burlington tonight to take out a party for tomorrow. Tonight yes he must be there by eight in the morning mrs wilford thought her son was having a hard time with the steamer but she knew he would be satisfied as long as he was doing well mr sherwood assured that there was nothing at home to detain the young pilot left the house lawry soon after entered but he had not time to tell his mother the particulars of his first trip on the woodville he could remain but a few moments while the hands were coaling up From a cargo of coal deposited on the wharf that day by the order of mr sherwood at nine o'clock everything was ready for the departure the firemen grumbled at being called upon to work at night but lawry promised to get another man to keep watch as soon as he could it was a long day's work for all hands when the young captain had gone to the wheelhouse to start the boat mr sherwood rushed down the wharf and jumped aboard i was afraid i should be too late said he as lawry met him on the main deck i have been all over the village to find you another fireman and i have succeeded in getting you a first-rate one an old hand at the business thank you sir you are taking a great deal of trouble for me there's another thing i quite forgot i didn't pay you for the trip nor the dinners here is the money i can't take it mr sherwood protested captain lawry but you must take it if you don't i can't engage the boat again not from you sir i am more interested than any other person in your success with the steamer and i insist that you take the money i owe you for this cargo of coal now that was a present from miss fanny grant she is very generous generous if she doesn't do more than that for you i shall be ashamed of her by the way captain She paid the bill for repairing the steamer at Port Henry. Indeed! exclaimed Lawry, who had intended to discharge this debt with the first money he earned. She is very kind. I don't deserve so much from her and you. More, my boy. We haven't done anything at my house but talk about you for a week. Now, you must be reasonable. We intended to give you a good start. Miss Grant wishes to put an upright Pianoforte in the saloon. There is just room for it at the end of the stateroom on the starboard side. When that is put in, we shall let you alone. Now, Lawry, take this money. If you don't, I shall be offended. I don't like to do so, pleaded Lawry. It makes me feel mean. It need not. Take it, Lawry, for you will want money to provision your boat in the morning. Captain Lawry took it, though it seemed to burn his fingers now my boy you shall have your own way i will force nothing more on you except what i fairly owe you and you shall make your fortune without any help or hindrance from anybody i owe you now silence lawry laughed mr sherwood there comes your second fireman as the man came down the gangplank, he handed mr sherwood a long package done up in brown paper one more thing lawry said his munificent friend as he led the way to the engine room which was lighted by a lantern will you let me put this sign up over the front windows in the wheelhouse certainly sir what is it it is the motto of the steamer and fully explains how i lost the boat replied mr sherwood as he unrolled the package it was a small sign about three feet in length elegantly painted and gilded on which was the motto haste and waste while you were at Port Henry repairing the boat, I went up to Burlington, where I ordered this to be done. It came down to-day, and I want it put up in the wheelhouse where it will be constantly before your eyes, as the best axiom in the world for a steamboat man. It will be the history of the Woodville to you, and I hope you will always act upon it, never running your boat above a safe speed, nor leave your wharf, when it is imprudent to do so. I shall be very glad to have those words always before me replied lawry when you are ready to go captain we are said mr sherwood i'm all ready sir lawry turned and to his astonishment saw mrs sherwood and miss fanny who had been looking over his shoulder at the pretty sign we're going with you captain lawry added mr sherwood that is if you won't charge us anything for our passage i'm very happy to have you as passengers stammered lawry we are so much in love with your boat lawry that we could not stay away from her added mrs sherwood and her captain said miss fanny lawry was good for nothing at complimentary speeches and he went aft to give the girls directions to light up the cabin and the two state rooms for the accommodation of his unexpected passengers where's fanny jane asked ethan when mr sherwood had gone to the wheelhouse to put up the motto she's going to keep house for us while we're gone replied miss fanny mischievously you were so unsocial today she would not come with us i had to look out for the engine pleaded ethan that was not the reason ethan interposed mr sherwood you behaved splendidly if you were twenty instead of sixteen ethan i should say you were in love with fanny jane laughed miss fanny oh nonsense exclaimed ethan blushing beneath his smutty face i like her and after what we went through out west i don't think it is very strange i should you are right ethan she is a good girl and i hope you will like her more rather than less the saloon is ready for you ladies said lawry interrupting this pleasant conversation very pleasant to ethan for without entering into an analysis of the young engineer's feelings it is quite certain he thought a great deal of the companion of his wanderings in minnesota but fortunately he is not the hero of this book and this interesting suggestion need not be followed out any further the little captain conducted the ladies to the saloon and then hastened to the wheelhouse, where mr sherwood by the light of a lantern in the hands of one of the boys had screwed up the sign haul in the plank shouted lawry cast off the bow line the woodville backed till she was dear of the wharf and then went ahead lawry knew the lake by night as well as by day and he was perfectly at home at the wheel notwithstanding the darkness that lay in the steamer's path one of the deck hands was a boy of sixteen who had served in a similar capacity on board the lake steamers and was a good wheelman though he knew nothing of the navigation of the lake and steered only by the directions given him from time to time captain lawry called this hand and gave him the wheel with orders to run for a certain headland several miles distant the young captain went below with mr sherwood to make his arrangements for the night the second fireman had already been installed in the fire-room by Ethan and the first had gone forward a portion of the forehold of the steamer had been fitted up for the accommodation of the crew it contained four berths and was well ventilated by a skylight in the forecastle. in building the boat mr sherwood had insisted upon having everything put into her that was to be found in larger craft and these quarters for the hands were now very convenient if not indispensable lawry gave one of these berths to the first fireman and appropriated the other to the use of the second and the two deck hands the second boy was gaping fearfully on the forward deck and was quite delighted when the captain told him he might turn in on the starboard side of the steamer forward of the wheels were two very cunning little staterooms the corresponding space on the port side being occupied by the kitchen and storerooms one of these was for the engineer and the other for the captain abaft the wheels on each side was a small stateroom one of which had been designed for the captain both of these rooms had been appropriated to the cook and the two waiter girls mrs light in the apartment of the commander was quite delighted with her accommodations but mr sherwood declared that she deserved a princely couch for the good dinner she had served that day the two staterooms to be occupied by the passengers were taken out of the space that would otherwise have been part of the saloon and were entered by doors on each side of the passageway leading to it they were beautiful little rooms though ladies in full crinoline might have been somewhat perplexed at their contracted dimensions they were elegantly furnished and miss fanny declared that her room made her think of the fairy palaces for little people of which she had read in her childhood there were twelve berths in the lower cabin but these were not needed having disposed of his crew for the night Lawry returned to the wheelhouse where he was soon joined by his passengers who spent an hour with him before they retired at half past ten they went to their rooms and Lawry was alone Not a sound was to be heard except the monotonous clang of the engine, and the lake was as silent in the gloom as though the shadow of death was upon it. There was a solemnity in the scene which impressed the young pilot, even accustomed as he was to the night and the silence. He was worn out by the labors and the excitement of the day, but he could not resist the inspiration which came from the quiet waters and the gloomy shores. The Woodville sped on her way, and at midnight she was approaching the steamboat wharf at Burlington. Lawry rang to slow down and informed Ethan that the boat was close to the wharf. The fires were drawn, and in a few moments more the steamer was made fast to the wharf. After satisfying himself that everything was secure on board, the exhausted pilot went to his stateroom and was soon fast asleep. Ethan followed him, after instructing the first fireman to get up steam early in the morning. Both the pilot and the engineer slept till seven o'clock, but when they came out of their rooms, blaming themselves for sleeping so late, they found the decks washed down, the cabins in order, steam up and breakfast ready. Those who had turned in early had faithfully performed the duties belonging to them, as they had been instructed the evening before. Missus Light who was steward as well as cook had been to the market and purchased the supplies for breakfast and dinner mr sherwood and the ladies had risen early and taken a walk which gave them a keen appetite for the excellent breakfast prepared for them the passengers insisted that captain lawry should sit at the head of the table with them as this was the proper place for the commander of the steamer during his walk mr sherwood had purchased three blank books and a double slate for which lawry agreeably to the arrangement that nothing more should be forced upon him paid the cash on the spot to the great amusement of the ladies the memoranda of each trip including the time of arrival and departure and of reaching or passing the principal points on the lake were to be entered on the slate in the wheelhouse and afterward copied into the largest of the blank books these were called the log slate and the log book the second was the engagement book and the third an account book in which the receipts and expenses of the steamer were to be kept after breakfast mr sherwood assisted his young friend in opening these books and explained to him the best method of keeping his accounts by this time the party for the day's excursion had begun to arrive the ladies and gentlemen were friends of mr sherwood and he and his wife and miss fanny were to join them A small band had been provided for the occasion consisting of six pieces precisely at eight o'clock the woodville left the wharf amid the inspiring strains of the star-spangled banner performed by the band the scene was in the highest degree exhilarating and the little captain was the happiest person on board where all was merriment and rejoicing the boat was to go down the lake as far as a where the party would spend a couple of hours on shore and return by six o'clock in the afternoon this program was carried out to the letter without any accident or any nearer approach to one than a thunder-shower and squall when the little captain saw the tempest coming down upon him he put the boat about and run her up into the teeth of the squall the ladies and gentlemen saw the commotion on the water and some of them were very much alarmed but the woodville under the good management of lawry did not careen a particle being headed into the wind in three minutes it was over the steamer returned to her former course and the party wondered that she made no more fuss about it while the rain continued the excursionists were compelled to remain in the saloon but they were full of glee after their terror had subsided and the shower was heartily regarded as a detriment to the pleasure of the trip At the appointed hour the woodville was at the wharf in burlington before the party left the boat they met in the saloon and passed a vote of thanks to the little captain in which the dinner the steamer and her commander were warmly praised it was written out a copy was given to lawry and it was to be published in the burlington papers while the boat was stopping at the wharf mr sherwood went up to the printing office where he had left an order for a job in the morning and returned bringing with him a few copies of the handbill which was to announce the woodville more generally to the public it was posted in various parts of the steamer and read aloud with mischievous delight by miss fanny it was printed in colours ornamented with a cut of a steamer and read as follows most delightful excursions on the lake the new and splendid miniature steamer woodville captain lawrence wilford with elegant and luxurious accommodations for thirty passengers is now ready to convey pleasure parties to any part of the lake breakfasts dinners and suppers provided on board and the tables will be supplied with the best the market affords apply by letter or otherwise to captain lawrence wilford port rock new york by seven o'clock the woodville was under way for port rock lawry gave the helm to one of the deck hands and went below to make some entries in his account book he had been paid that day fifty dollars for the boat and thirty dollars for dinners mrs light had expended twenty six dollars for provisions and groceries but he still had one hundred and twenty eight dollars it was a large sum of money for a boy of fourteen to have and he counted it with a pride and pleasure, which made him forget the fatigue of his severe labors. At half-past ten the steamer was moored to her wharf at Port Rock. Mr. Sherwood and the ladies bade the little captain good-night, and went home. End of chapter 17